this week on the Sportsmanlike Conduct, we get into the Detroit Tigers, talk about their recent losing streaks. Looks like Evan was right after they're on a high note the last time we talked about them. And then we talk about some Michigan football drama between Old Miss and Shea Patterson, what's going on there, and if the NCAA will let him play football this year. And then we'll talk about the 2018 NBA playoffs, some interesting matchups in the first round, all that and more here on the Sportsmanlike Conduct. Thanks. And welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where you, we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald. I'll be your host. And to my right, Evan Petzold. Evan, how we doing? You know, being being a, a college student isn't always easy, especially when you, you got to look at the fact that you got homework, you got late nights, you got exams, papers, all that, all that good stuff. And then also, you know, trying to cover sports teams and <laughs> just looking at a screen and typing and, and you see the... You know, you, you see the white background on your on your Microsoft Word with the with the black screen with the black letters, and it, it's just it gets at your brain sometimes. It does, almost like it melts it. So I got a headache right now, I and that. and that's that's my issue right now is, is a little bit of a headache. Got some got the sunglasses on though, just to try to you know keep my eyes from hurting, which you know affects my brain, and, and it just yeah it just hurts. Got water got water here, trying to stay as hydrated as I can, but. You know, like I was telling you before the show started, Andy, there, there's nowhere I'd rather be right now, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm on top of the world, if I'm at the lowest of my lows, obviously not in either of those places right now. Somewhere <laughs> right in the middle, you know? But but you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's good. It's all good. Talking sports, it makes things better. At the end of the day, if you're talking sports, it makes everything better. And That's there's definitely saying. definitely a lot of it to talk about lately because there's been a lot um, going on in general. Uh, I mean, me and myself, doing pretty good. I've uh, also been trying to keep up with all the school stuff, mm-hmm. but also it's got a couple Fortnite dubs I told you about before I came in, so, you know, I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, you know, they fixed the servers last night, so my life's a lot better right now. I'm in a good mood. But I wouldn't know to, a thing about that. <laughs> ready to take a minute away from it and talk about sports, and we'll start with the uh, the good old Detroit Tigers here we've been talking about for the past few weeks. Probably talk about them a lot till the end of the, the year here, um, just because baseball's getting going. Um, and, you know, right after they sweep the White Sox, they start to give you a lot of... A lot of reason to maybe think that something could go right. Um, they go out and, well, they're facing a sweep. You know, we're recording this on Thursday. Facing a chance to get swept by the Indians tonight. Dating back to last year, they've lost 10 straight games against the Indians. They haven't beat them since then. so They're never going to be able to beat them. Let's just be that's, honest. That's what it starts to really feel like. You I really know. start to get that way, and you start to think there is absolutely no way that this team is going to be able to um, compete with the division leader. But it's, it's losses like 0-2 to two and 1-2 to two in the, you know, the other day where they blew it late in the late innings. Uh, one to five, not as close last night, but granted, Jordan Zimmerman got hit in the face and taken out of the game a little early, so that'll throw you off a little bit. But nevertheless, they can't quite get over the hump to beat those good teams, and you didn't really expect them to. But after they were able to play against the White Sox, who's a team that a lot of people picked to finish second in the division this year uh, behind Cleveland, you thought with the slow start that Cleveland had, maybe the Tigers could go in here and take a couple games. Might not be that difficult the way that Cleveland started, but... Hasn't been that way um, in the seven-game road trip either way. Um, right now they're trying to make it a winning trip if they win tonight. That'd be a positive in general, but when mm. you lose three in a row, I mean, it's it's still hard to kind of look at it in that way. And the pitching's still there. It's just they really just don't have any hitting in that lineup. Well, yeah, it's kind of interesting to me because coming into the season, I wasn't really sure what would be better than the other. Was it going to be you know pitching over hitting? Was it going to be hitting over pitching? Like You really didn't know with this team mm-hmm. what, what you were going to get at all. I mean, you, you knew that you had Michael Fulmer, so you, you know what you're getting out of a guy like him. You pretty much know what you're getting out of, uh, out, of out of a guy like Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. Um, you know, e- well, even though he, he struggled last season, mm-hmm. you know, as far as his, his normal Miguel Cabrera 
um, you know, that, that so many Detroit fans are used to, but you kind of still knew what you were getting out of him. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's pretty much it. You weren't <laughs> sure what you are going to get out of Vic. You didn't know what you were going to get out of Nick Cassianos. Nope. You didn't know what you were going to get out of out of the Dixon Machados, the the Jaime Candelarios, the the James McCann, Mikey Matuk, Jose Iglesias. Like you just don't know what you're going to get out of those players. And the same goes with the pitching. I mean, you know what you're going to get from from Michael Fulmer, but then you take a couple steps back and you, and, you, and you look at Liriano coming to coming to Detroit and trying to to almost rebuild his his career. And and you look at look at Matt Boyd and Zimmerman, he's been up and down, and Daniel Norris and Shane Green. It's just, it's just you didn't know what you were gonna get. Mike Fires, same way. Yeah. And it was almost just like a a waiting game for me as someone who who enjoys Everybody. baseball and enjoys the Tigers. And I'm sure it was a waiting game for you too to see what was kind of gonna, what was gonna take over. Is it gonna be more pitching or is it gonna be more hitting? And I think, you know, we finally come to the consensus, especially after after seeing them. You know, the, the Tigers beat the White Sox one nothing and then lose two nothing to the Indians and then two one. You know, they had, they had a one nothing loss to the Royals earlier in the year, a one nothing loss to the Pirates. You get the feeling that that the pitching's kind of uh a couple steps ahead in the process than the hitting is. And and mm-hmm. I and I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that when when you're when you're hitting in baseball, it's it's different than pitching. From what I know, from what I've heard, from what I've just observed as a fan for so long is is when you're pitching, it's like this. It's it's okay, Andy, this is your game. Yeah. It's your game. You're in control of the game. But when you're when you're batting, so what if one guy goes four for four? That's mm-hmm. not gonna. If he goes four for four with four singles, but nobody can drive him in, that's still <laughs> that's still zero runs. You gotta produce, yeah. Runners and and I think, and I think, and I, and I think with pitching, it's it's okay, Michael Fulmer. Okay, Matt Boyd. Okay, Francis Galeriano. Okay, insert name. It's your game. Yeah. And they've done a really good job of going out there and, and throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. They've done oh, they a really have. good job. Done a, the whole pitching staff so far has done a great job. I mean, it's guys like Miguel Cabrera hitting 220 and Victor Martinez hitting 241 that you look at and you say, those are supposed to be the veterans in our lineup that are supposed to be hitting. Cassiano mm-hmm. set 273. That's right where you expect him to be. He's done his job so far and been every part of it. But it's just they, they don't have – I think what you said is very, very accurate about how – their pitching is just a little bit ahead. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to keep these numbers up all year. I guarantee you a couple guys in this rotation are going to flake, and they're not going to be that good all season because I just don't think they're that, that caliber of players to be able to put together a full you know, 163-game season yeah. and pitch every start that way and be that consistent. But where they're at right now, they are pitching a lot better. And, I mean, those are those are winnable games. I mean, when when they have that kind of a rotation and they're putting them in that kind of a position to score runs, I mean, you got to look at yourself as a lineup and mm-hmm. say, like, this is ridiculous, guys. Like, how can we get these runs across? And it's been bad to this point, and and that's that's the problem when you're losing close games like that. You're never going to be a good team if you can't if you can't close out. And I think the perfect example was um, against Cleveland the other night when they had the chance they came back, tie the game at one. A couple innings later, the bullpen gives up a quick run. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can't you can't do that kind of stuff when it's a young team. You have to win those kind of games to get momentum and get confidence that you can close out a game and win it. And that's what this team is full of: is young players up and down the lineup. And until they start to do something like that. They're not gonna get it, but it's just it's it's a lineup full of guys that either aren't major league ready or guys that are washed up and probably won't mm-hmm. ever be back to where they are. And it's just it's it's not right now. There's just no progress to me being made that much in the field. There's not a lot of guys you see that are doing much that are being that good, except for Nick Cassianos, who who you would still consider a young player. It's playing pretty good um, for where he's at right now. And not to say the defense has been terrible because they haven't been that bad on that mm-hmm. side, but you got to have some hitting to back it up. And I mean. At some point, I mean, the level between the minor leagues and major leagues is a big difference. 
But you just got to start to put the bat in the ball and find some hits. I think it's contagious, too. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you think about it. You know, Andy, you got the flu when you come in here for a podcast, and I get the flu, then Grant gets the flu, our, our producer over here. Could have been me last week, man. I had it, so you that, that, that's what. And, and I think it goes the same way for, for baseball, not for pitchers, but but for hitters. When you're at the plate and and you're batting, if one guy gets the hit, the next guy kind of gets fired up, and the next guy gets fired up, and, and guys start reading reading the pitcher of the opposing team, you know, the right way, maybe the, the opposing pitcher gives up a couple hits and then... He starts to kind of, kind of lack in his in his his mental performance. He slows down. He he's not focusing as well, just because a couple guys got a hit off of him earlier in the, or earlier in, in their at bats. I think it's contagious, and I yeah. think with pitching it's just different. Like that. That's what I was saying earlier. Is even with going from starter to bullpen, you could you could have, you could have Michael Fulmer go out there and you could have him throw, seven scoreless innings. But it, the the reliever comes in. You don't really feed off that energy like in the in the same way. It's it, as a reliever, you come in and you know, okay, this is my one inning to pitch. Yep. And you know you got to lock them down. And they haven't but, been the worst. I mean, it's there's been some decent pitching so far. And I'm not there. no, I'm not saying the pitching's bad. I'm saying that you know I I like where the pitching's at. Yeah. But it's just not contagious the same way that yeah. that it is at the plate for hitters. And that's something that the Tigers they they've got to figure that out. Yeah, that, no, yeah, that's for, a problem. When you're a young team, like I said, especially too, it's just like you know you can't hit. Everybody kind of gets down themselves. It puts more pressure on every player to have to get more hits when you're not getting hits. Mm-hmm. And when the two guys in the middle of your lineup that are you know supposed to be older and doing better, I don't care Miguel Cabrera how old you are. Two twenty is not an average that he should even be near. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's still good enough to play and able to still play, so it's kind of ridiculous. And at some point, you got to figure he's got to get back to normal. But I mean, it hasn't been there since you know 2016. Mm-hmm. And and you know look look at their roster. Look at their roster. Who who is the young guy that's firing the team up? Because you know Miguel Cabrera can't do that. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't speak. He doesn't Dixon Machado he, 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 had a really good start. Here, well, here, hang on. Here's my thing though. Like Miguel Cabrera, as far as being a vocal team leader, like where is that at? Like Victor Martinez, he, he's too old to do that. Miguel Cabrera, he came out in spring training and said he doesn't even know half the players' names on the team. He just calls him dude and bro. So that's that's not your answer. Castellanos seems seems too quiet. Where, where is your young? You know, 19, 20-year-old, um, you know, Bryce Harper of a couple years ago yeah, that, that's, yeah, ripping, yeah. that's ripping dingers, getting pumped up, going out and trying to fight people at the mound, you yeah. know, you know, hit, hitting home runs and staring people down. Like, where is that at? I mean, you got to be able to— I don't to, think the team has it at all. you got to be able to hit first off, but either way, like like, I've, like I kind of said earlier this year, if you make plays in the field and you make a big play in the field or something like that, it's a, the Bryce Harper attitude that you can still have. You can still be— Fired up and you know mm-hmm. start yelling and stuff when you come back to the dugout. Make when plays happen, get more fired up. But I mean, they had that comeback win right a couple of weeks ago where they came back there down six mm-hmm. to nine. Yeah. Um. And they and they came back and ended up winning the game uh, against the White Sox and extra innings and everything. Um. You know, uh, Goodrum hit that home run to make it a one run game and stuff. When Goodrum hit a hit a home run, it was kind of like a light tap on the back from Cabrera, and he just went back to the dugout, pretty much sat down after giving everybody a high five. That's not the kind of yeah. attitude you have to have if you're a young team that actually cares about winning and thinks and believes you can win. And I don't really think this team – I think this team kind of knows that it sucks and that it's not going to be that good this which year. Is the, which is upsetting. Yeah, and it's almost like they believe it. Like and, where, and, that's, and that's what you cannot have if you want to be a good the, team. Where, where, where's the, the the cool handshakes and, yeah. the, and the, the putting and sprinkling stuff into people's hands? Remember how, how – uh, You're going to spend your whole well, summer together. You might as well get that? to know each other Wasn't that bit. Wasn't that Miggy, <laughs> Miggy and Prince Bueller? Didn't they do that yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah, the with the sprinkling, <laughs> the, whatever it was? And then – and then you'd always see Miguel Cabrera and uh, and Vic Victor always do always that, always do that cool yep. handshake with their elbows linking on the inside, and they, they, sure. they just always do cool stuff. 
But that's not there anymore. J.D. Martinez, every time that guy had a home run, man, it was like electric, electricity. And Even when they were bad time. last year, it was still electric. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy. And that, that's just what they don't – they don't have that right now. They don't have anybody so who's that, that, that guy? step up. Who's that guy? I don't have an answer for you. I don't think anybody around the country mm-hmm. that watches this team on TV has you an know, answer. Maybe there's guys that, you know, see more behind the scenes, but I highly doubt it. Because I think it's a team that just doesn't – they're not gelling well right now. Mm-hmm. And – yeah, sure, they got some wins back in, you know, in Chicago and stuff, and I'm sure they know each other and everything, but it's like at some point you got to start stepping up. I mean, the most hits that someone has in this team is 12, and that's Castellanos right now at this point in the season. I mean, it's just, it's just my, not there. My, There's my, no energy. My biggest problem is is I, I look at this team, and like you said, we don't, we're not in the ball club. We don't know what it's like. We're not, we're not there. But we can speculate. We can think about things. And I, and I sit back. And I was watching a game the other day, and I was just sitting back watching Cabrera bat, and I was just like, man, does this guy really, like, care to be playing with Jacoby Jones, Dixon Machado? Does he care to be playing with Goodrum and Candelario, Victor Reyes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that at some care? point. I mean, it's, it's Do you think he even really cares? No. I think he cares to be playing with Victor Martinez. Nick Castellanos, and that's about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of that's why I said kind of looking at it coming into the year. I mean, Victor Martinez knows he's at the end of his career, so I think it's a little bit different for him. Either way, he knows no one's gonna pick him up with the way that he's hitting right now. Detroit's pretty much his last stop, and he's just gonna run it till it doesn't go anymore. Mm-hmm. But with Cabrera, I mean, yeah, he's not hitting good right now. He's hitting two twenty again, but you, you just I he mean, he just doesn't seem like he cares. No, and that's well, the thing. Anybody on the team, it, it seems like he's still in good enough shape to be able to play and like have some, you know, have something left in him. It, maybe it's just the DH would really help him. I do not know, but you got to wonder if he starts to want to go somewhere else and if he'd take almost whatever he could get to get one more shot at a World Series. Because if he keeps hitting this way and he does it for another full season, I mean, okay, say at the deadline, you know, he's hitting. 270 and has, you know, a handful of home runs, whatever, someone would take him because he's Miguel Cabrera mm-hmm. and he might still have something left. And the Tigers might not get that much for him, but, I mean, they're going to want to try to get something if they're really, really sucking. you got to think he's going to want out too. I don't know how much longer you want to play in a team like this where you know it's going nowhere. They're not going to win. And you got to wonder if that gets in his head too and any of these guys that are older. I mean, Cassianos has to realize, like, I'm going to be a leader at some point in this team. Whatever they, whatever Detroit gets out of this, Detroit likes me. They're keeping me around. I mean, shoot, they put me in the outfield just to try to keep me in the opening day roster and as a starter. They do like me, so I'm eventually going to be that guy. Cabrera can't be thinking that right now. He's got to be thinking my career is almost done as well. I've only got three, four years left. I mean, at the most. You remember when people were saying that that Miguel Cabrera was was maybe the best hitter that the game has ever seen? Yeah, Make, making those oh, yeah. comments, saying that he was up there with I the still best think, of the I best. I still believe that. I still, I still believe that. When he was in his prime, that dude hit the ball. When he was like in his prime, else. but when he was in his prime, okay, yeah, I get that. But the best hitters in the game, yeah, they leave their prime, but they don't stop chugging yeah, they, along they, they this fast. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't look just, at a, didn't just have a drop Miguel Cabrera's Miguel Cabrera's thirty four. Okay, he's thirty four years old. It's pretty old. But you look at a guy who's who's. You know, one of the one of the great hitters, Hank Aaron, and you, you look at you look at him, and and Hank Aaron when he was thirty four, he hit twenty nine home runs. The next year he hit forty four, and then thirty eight, and then forty seven, and then thirty four, and then forty, and then he dipped down when he was forty years old to hitting twenty, twelve, ten, and then the career was over. Yeah, that is what one of the best hitters to ever play the game is. Yeah. Now, now, granted. 
I mean, Hank Aaron, you know, did did play some first base, but he also played right field and 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 also different, played at a very different time. different possession, different time, and all that. No, and I and I get that, but what I'm saying is, is pitching if, is a lot different now. But here's what I'm saying: if you want to compare him, if if you wanted to compare him two years ago to some of the best hitters on, on the planet to ever play the game, you can do that. Yeah, but. You got to remember that you're, you're you're comparing him for the rest of Miguel Cabrera's career. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like oh, Miguel Cabrera at this time is one of the best. No, you said Miguel Cabrera is like up there with the best of all time, and that that's got to go for his whole career. Now, I, I think reflecting on the comments that <clears throat> that were made um, about that, you know, now you start to see him fall off at, at 34 and injuries and stuff. It's just it's just kind of frustrating. Yeah, but I think it's I think it's a little bit too early to kind of just call it quits on him and just say he's never going to get it back because I think he still has plenty of time to do that and he's going to get the opportunity at Detroit to do Andy, it. Andy, you really think he's going to get it back? I don't know if he's Andy, ever. I don't do you know. Really I don't, think he's, he's gonna never going to be back, the triple man. crown three forty hitter again. But I'll tell you that he definitely could be a three hundred hitter in this league still with forty dingers in a season. I, okay, he's never been like a forty home run guy. That's not Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera is a pure hitter. You were giving me all these yeah. home run stats. I'm not talking about power stats. I'm talking about this guy was one of the best average hitters consistently every mm-hmm. season. I mean, you could chalk him up 320 or better for the mm-hmm. eight years the Tigers had him mm-hmm. when he was there. I mean, mm-hmm. he was he was unbelievable. The way that that guy could hit to any field, mm-hmm. and I mean, he could just when he did hit home runs, if he wanted to, he'd just flip him over the bleachers. Now, granted, mm-hmm. he's never, I mean, he's had a World Series, but he's never had like the big one that he could have had with Detroit where he was the leader or anything like that. I get all that, but just putting it aside with stats, I believe this guy has been one of the best hitters the major leagues has ever seen. He's definitely the best hitter I've ever watched in my lifetime. I hate all the comparisons of like Mike Trout and stuff like that. It's not even, not it's even the, close it's, to it's, a comparison to me. It's too not, different. It's not too even different. close. And he's not nearly as good. Albert Pujols is a joke when people even bring that up to try to compare it. Mm-hmm. Miguel Cabrera is far more been better than that. Now, like I said, I'm not saying he's going to be some guy that's going to come back and hit that well. But the more that he's in this team, the Tigers, and they put him at first base, and they need to put him there with. You know, the old, the lawnmower I called him last week, <laughs> playing in the DH slot, the more that that hurts Miguel Cabrera because the more he has to play in the field, the worse chance he has of ever being that guy back. I think he needs to be moved to a full time DH because then he can just think about hitting. And he's a smart enough hitter and has been there long enough that he can get himself back to where he used to be in the average category. Now, I know that he's not the fastest base runner and everything else, but that dude can hit doubles. He can put people in. If you give him a chance to just hit in that position, I think he's completely different. I think that he definitely has a chance to get back to that. It's not there right now, but I think a lot of it has to do with all the stress put on his body because he's a bigger dude. I think all the stress that is getting put in his body of him playing the field mm-hmm. day to day, I think it really, really hurts him. And that's why he needs to get off this team of the all-star break or he needs to figure out a way to get into that DH spot if Victor never starts hitting. But I don't see the Tigers trapping Victor. So 16, 16 years in the bigs, 11 with the Tigers, 5 with, with Florida. Yep, Marlins. How long you give him? I mean, he's 35 now. How long do you think he can go for? I mean, that's the thing is if a team has a spot for him where they, they're making a playoff push and they really don't have like a solid DH, mm-hmm. that's where I think he could that he's be like get... a Victor Martinez, just playing oh, he, until he dies and until he, until he runs out of energy. Victor Martinez is what almost 40 years old now. I don't know his exact age. I mean, he was 36, 37 with the Tigers. I, th- I believe it was, and he was hitting 30, the cover. 39. Yeah, he was yeah. hitting the cover off the ball a couple mm-hmm. years ago. He was hitting 330, 340 still. Cabrera can definitely still be that guy. He's been that good his whole career. I just think all, all this playing in the field and everything, I think it just puts a lot of stress on his body every single day, and it makes it harder for him to be able to 
get back to the player he was. He can't fully get healthy mm-hmm. or get back to where he was at or be at that level to be that kind of a hitter again. He needs to be able to focus on one spot, and I think that's the DH. And if you're asking me, honestly, I think the best chance of the Tigers to be better is to get rid of Victor Martinez and put him in that spot and make good Roman an everyday player mm-hmm. until you get to the point where you find somebody else to fill it. Because let's be honest, this season is just a pushover anyways. No one cares about it. What if what if Cabrera ends up going to just being in a DH spot and he hits the crap out of the ball this year, and all of a sudden in a couple of years you're making progress and some of these players start to make more progress? I mean, I mean look at look at David Ortiz. Look. look at how long David Ortiz is able to hang yeah. around moving into that spot. That's why I think 34 is too young to call it quits in this guy. He still could hit for average. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind. He's too good of a hitter. But I think he needs to be taken out of the field. But well, we're gonna we're gonna find out. Tigers are already down two nothing right now in the second. <laughs> of course, but um, because yeah, we are. The, the recording wins and this losses are not Thursday. again. The wins and losses are still not something I'm focusing on this year. I'm looking but, more. At what no, no, no. This is where I was getting at. You know, they're already they're down right now. But you know, they got three games here against the Yankees, and then they got you know another three games against against the Orioles, and then four games against against Kansas City. All those coming at home. So we're gonna get a good look at. A lot of home games. And Maggie and Comerica to see, and see what he can yeah. see what he can do. We'll see what they can do with some home energy if they get any. But we'll see if the weather gets nicer. You, it's a, it's Detroit baseball. People will show up and watch this early in the season. Have you so. seen those numbers on their on their seating so far? No, I have not. It's bad. It I can only imagine. It's bad. I, I can only imagine. And it yeah. hasn't been good. I, there was a Rays game, I guess, earlier this year. I mean, the Rays haven't been good in so long. They had 975 fans at the game. I mean, it. Okay, it's not that bad. It, but. it, it happens, but. <laughs> it's 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 cold. It's Yeah, it's it's still early in the year. Give it time for the, the weather to start warming up. Tigers fans will show up because they just like going to the, the ballpark way too much. But Let's talk Let's talk Shea. Let's, let's talk Shea. Shea. And, and, and tell me what you know, Evan, because I know that you're itching to talk about this one. No, I mean not not I mean I don't know, I think it's an interesting topic. It I is. think it's something that that people want to know about. Um so yeah, so so pretty much Ole Miss they they formally objected to their former quarterback Shea Patterson's request to to play college football in 2018 for the Michigan Wolverines. Um you know, Shea Patterson transferred to Michigan in December and he what what he did was he he petitioned the NCAA to to waive the the one-year transfer waiting period. Uh, this spring, pretty much saying that that his old coach Hugh Freeze at, at Ole Miss lied to him and other players about the the level of trouble that the program was in from violating NCAA rules. So pretty much just didn't tell him the truth, kind of screwed him over, um, and and that's that's kind of what he sent out to the NCAA. Now the way that it works is the NCAA they have to receive that from Michigan, mm-hmm. and then they have to send it off to Ole Miss, and then Ole Miss gets ten days to to respond. So Ole Miss you know took their time on that. And and then they refuted the the claim, so that that pretty much you know means that Michigan has to to go back and then go straight to the NCAA. So pretty much Ole Miss had a chance to kind of clear things up, but you know they they said no, we we object to those those claims. We we object to your request to play football, and a lot of people were were frustrated. You know, saying why 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 they're not letting him play? That makes no sense. Well. For people that don't really like understand what's what's going on, is it's how it's how sports works these days. Yeah. It's deny, <laughs> deny, deny, deny. And here here's the thing: people don't understand that that the NCAA they're looking at they're looking at Ole Miss. They're investigating Ole Miss. So if Ole Miss they they, they had three options when they received the the request from Patterson, mm-hmm. they could either um, object to it, so pretty much deny it and say nope, that didn't happen. They could accept it as truth, or they could just 
kind of push it aside and not make a big deal out of it and say, yeah, we're just going to kind of sit on this one and we're not going to mm-hmm. we're not going to respond to this. And if you think about those three options, only one really works to deny allegations, and that's to deny it. So they're, they're just so so essentially what's what's going on is it really wasn't a surprise to me because I, I was following the information and I, and I kind of was I was trying to keep up on it best that I could, but but essentially what happened was by denying it, they're just trying to save their butts. Yeah, because they know that they're screwed. They know that Hugh Freeze, you know, did lie to, to Patterson and other other recruits. That's why it's like six recruits left. If if Hugh Freeze didn't lie, maybe one of those guys would have transferred out. But if you have six guys transferring out, like they did, something something negative, yeah, what was going down. And what and so what happened was, you know, Ole Miss they had to object because if you don't object, you can push it aside. And then, well, that's that's pretty clear that you screwed up. You know, yeah. if you're gonna push it aside, you're not gonna say no. You, that's not denying anything. And then if you, you accept it and say, yep, you're right, Shea Patterson, we did screw up, NCAA, come come get us, that, that's not going to work for your program either. So it's just this continuous deny, deny, deny from, from Ole Miss. And, and I don't know. I wasn't surprised that they took the low road. And, and denied it, but at the same time, it's like the the statement said that um, they had no choice to respond, but the way they did. Yeah, because they were screwed. That, that, exactly. Yeah. So something's. But I mean, but here's my thing though. Ole Miss doesn't have much credibility left. No, they don't. So why would you risk losing that credibility? I don't know. They said at this point, it's not really our matter. It's the NCAA Michigan's matter, and I mean that's the that's actually the truth. I mean, I don't. I don't really. I don't. Do you think that Ole Miss's opinion is going to weigh too much in what the NCAA does, anyways? Well, if Ole Miss says, "Yeah, go ahead and play," because we screwed up, that means okay, NCAA doesn't even really have to like, like think go about into it. Go, think about. I mean, it, maybe it makes admit- it worse, but I, do you really think it's going to weigh that much of a decision on? Oh on no, I think he's still going to play. He's going to play. I think so too. I don't think I don't think the NCAA wants Patterson not to play. It's good for football. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And I, you're, you're talking about one of the biggest brands now. I mean, you can try to act like this doesn't weigh into the NCAA's mm-hmm. decisions, but it does, people. Let's be real. Look at bowl Mich- games, dude. They, Michigan yeah. gets better bowl games every year. Michigan's one of the the top you know, brands of college football. They're going to want this guy to play because he has a better chance to make their team better. And for whatever ratings of TV or whoever it's on or wh- whatever standpoint you want to look at, more people watch Michigan than any other team in the country because they hate them so much. So it's either you love Michigan and they have such a big fan base in the first place and everybody hate watches Michigan. So you put a guy like this in and Michigan starts making some noise and ends up being a team that's competing for the playoff at the end of the season, there's no way that that goes bad for the NCAA, for any any network that's got them broadcasted, anything. It only brings it up and it just makes more people talk Mm -hmm. about it. So more drama usually equals more watchers. Ask the NBA, which is what most people watch. That's why they get most watches. Mm-hmm. If you bring something like this in and bring a guy like this in that you know transferred, and it, it makes things more fun for people that watch the sport. So I think that no matter what, he's going to be able to come in and play. No, yeah, I, th- the I NCAA think NCAA is going to do it regardless. He'll, he'll be I, able to play. But yeah. I just wanted to. I mean, I just wanted to let people know like what was actually going on because yeah. a lot of people see that oh they they objected to it and they kind of freak <clears> out like oh my gosh he's not going to play but really. Ole Miss had no choice. Yeah, and that's that's, that's what people that's what they say. They, don't, they didn't have any other way to respond. I mean, they said in their response they wished the best for everybody academically and athletically that leaves their program. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's that, That's such like a mixed-feeling response to me, like towards the kid that's leaving the program and trying to play somewhere else that I really I really don't know what to think of it um, all that much, you know, coming from their athletic director. But 
it, at the end of the day, I think that this guy deserves a chance to play, and I mean, why not just why not let him get in there? Let, let's talk real quick about about playing in quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Shea, Shea Patterson, you know, former five star prospect, threw for over two thousand yards, seventeen touchdowns in seven games last year. He makes as Michigan a, a better team as a sophomore. <laughs> you know, before he had his leg injury, um, that that cut his season short. But let's just say, like, Shea Patterson can't play. Mm-hmm. Just because that it is might possible, happen. it definitely is still possible. Who do you want, Brandon Peters or Dylan McCaffrey? I mean, come on, probably Brandon. Think Peters. about it, though. I mean, think about it though. <laughs> I mean, he did not have a good debut in that bowl game for the pitch for what we're gonna see this year. And Dylan McCaffrey, but, they've only said good things about Dylan McCaffrey. He's been putting on weight. A I lot trust. Of he came in lean, skinny, but he's he's putting on pounds, and he he's starting to look the part. If I'm a Michigan viewer, I trust whatever Jim Harbaugh thinks is going to be the best for this team. And all I know is, is right now, unless he gets Patterson, he doesn't have his five-star guy in the lineup. Either way, this isn't his guy. This is a this is a transfer quarterback that's mm-hmm. coming in. So I don't know. I mean, at that point, you're going to obviously have to play Patterson. But between these two, the thing is, it'd be so hard for me to commit fully to a quarterback coming in that does not have experience again. I mean, that's tough. I know that there's a lot of potential in this guy, but at some point you got to go with someone that's played a little bit more. I still just coming into the season would favor Brandon Peters, but I don't, I don't really, I don't know. I think either one of those guys have an even chance to be able to get a start. I legitimately believe that. So, see, I, I if I had to pick between the two, I'd want Dylan McCaffrey, and and just just because of what's been said about him, or I, I think it's because you know you know what's been said about him is. That only tells you so much. They're not going to talk bad about their player. Well, yeah, obviously. They're not going to. They're not going to say. But Harbaugh's usually a pretty honest guy with who he's he thinks honest. is better and who's doing. I mean, shoot. But he's going to let it go. He's, start, all he's the, done it before. He, even even if Patterson can play, it'll still be a three way race between Patterson, Peters, and and McCaffrey. He's not going to say. He he always he always strings it out. Oh yeah, he'll make but it I a just, race. No, but, but I just I, I, and it's not the McCaffrey name. That's not what it's about. I just think like. I, don't know, I think there's always something interesting about throwing out a, a quarterback with barely any experience and just saying, "Dude, like, go play." Like, there's not any pressure; just go play. That's I, giving him I that kind of that. mentality, and that, that's my only thing. Like, that's my only thing with, with with why I would want want Dylan McCaffrey. There's no stats to back it up. There's no there there's no inside information. I think to he's going to get a up. shot either way. To be completely honest, at some point he should. Season. He should. Unless things go well with Brandon Peters, but. You just got to think that he's already thrown to some of these guys a little bit and stuff like that. I don't know. I find it hard to believe that he's actually going to start over him, unless he really shows yeah. up that much better in camp. I just think that Jim Harbaugh is going to go with the experience. I think I think Michigan I think Michigan's going to have a pretty good team this year. I mean, when you when you look at the running back core of of Karan Higdon, Chris Evans, got Kareem Walker back there. The running there. back core is really good, but when if and you, then you, the you got to look at you got to look at wide receivers too, though. I mean, Kakoa Crawford. Eddie McDoom, Nico Collins, Oliver Martin, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Trey Black's coming back, Cesar Ruiz in I've there. I've heard Donovan Peoples-Jones at the top of that category as well. So or apparently that's what Harbaugh thinks right now is he's been the best. And we haven't even really seen Nico Collins or Oliver Martin yet. Yeah. And they're supposed to be, be ballers. I expect a pretty big jump forward from Donovan Peoples-Jones, to be completely honest. I think he'll be a lot better. Mm-hmm. I think getting Trey Black definitely opens up more options for their quarterbacks in general. But – Everybody is just putting so – I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I think this Michigan team has the potential to be very good. I think it could be a very good team by the end of the season. But they're putting a lot of pressure on a guy that has never even, like, was. he played a full season, Shea Patterson, in the 
NCAA? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, everybody's just putting it out like this This is going to be a – if he plays, Michigan's going to be playing for the playoff. He's, like, their, no he's, their, he's their best option at quarterback, though. I think he no makes that he team is. so no, much better. No, he's so mobile. No doubt he, he can makes do the team things better. That's Spade, not what I'm talking John about. O'Korn, Brandon Peters couldn't do. I'm talking about Michigan just automatically being slotted into the playoff. That's what everybody acts like this is going to be. Yeah, but that's the fans talking. That's that's the that is that <laughs> note. That that's not pe- people that actually know football know that's not true. But this is the year. I mean, it's got to happen. So everybody's going to put the pressure on him regardless. And it's I mean, this is the fourth year of Jim Harbaugh, and he hasn't. Even, I mean, Andy, he's been near it once, and it wasn't even really near. Andy, every year is going to be the year for Michigan football. It's always been. I told you last year coming the year, been. I never said it once. I said they were going to go eight and four. But last that, year. that's not that. No, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about fans. <laughs> I'm talking about the. The the Michigan junkies that run the the fan page yes, Twitter I, accounts I, I and know stuff what you're like talking that. About. They all, it's those people. Every That's what I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong with believing in your team. I'm not against that either. I'm just saying that literally ever. I think a lot of people legitimately believe that this team goes from seven wins next year or eight wins to eleven wins and, and competing right for a playoff if they get Jay Patterson in there. I don't think I don't think it's fair to put the pressure on the kid like that when he hasn't even played a full season in the NCAA. Yeah. And no, I, I agree. And I, and I think the time is just running out on Jim Harbaugh for people to believe it, and that is 100% understandable. This guy was supposed to come in. This was Michigan's guy. He was supposed to change things with it. I mean, other coaches have done it. Urban Meyer's done it. So there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to do something like that. But, I mean, at this point you're running out of options, and I think that it, it, it almost is not fair to expect it of him, but it's almost what's, what's going to be expected because they have to get there. I mean, I, I personally think that Michigan will be a 10-11 win team if he does play. I do think that. I think he's going to fit well with this team, and I think that no matter what, they have enough options around him. They'll make him better, and they have so much coming back on defense. You know, we're all talking about Shea Patterson and what they have there. Michigan has so much coming back on defense that I think mm-hmm. it's going to make them a great team just because of that. Michigan was a quarterback away last year from being one of the best teams in the country, and no matter what anybody says to me, that's the truth. I mean, they they lost. How, what was the total points that they lost their games by last year? I mean, they were in games. The only true blowout they had was the one in Happy Valley against Penn State. Mm-hmm. They could have beat Wisconsin. They damn well could have beat Ohio State. And then the, the bowl State, game, they, they blew Michigan, game. State. Michigan State. Those were games that they lost because they did not have a quarterback, a functioning quarterback. If they had a guy who could literally throw a touchdown in half those games, they would have won those games. I mean, that's... Did you watch the All or Nothing series yet or no on Amazon? I did. I did watch that. You watched it? I did. The whole thing? Not the whole thing. I'm, I'm still trying to catch up on the end okay. of it. But. No, I, I I watched the whole thing on, on <laughs> Does it make uh, you believe? Does on you, Sunday. Do you think that they're going to be? No, no, no. I, I watched the whole thing on Sunday. I actually watched it with my girlfriend. I was pretty impressed. She was she was in it. Like She kept saying, like, another one, another one. Yeah. I was pretty impressed. But <laughs> but no, um, it, it, was really, cool. it was really interesting to to watch like how the whole Drevno and Pep Hamilton thing worked with them up in the box calling game like calling the yeah. calling the plays and stuff like that. And like you could really see that Drevno was more dedicated to calling plays for the run game and Pep yeah. Hamilton was like all all about the pass game yep. and, and stuff That's like how that. I noticed, yeah. And he said and, and Pep Hamilton said in the in the Rutgers game right before that, he said he Pep Hamilton looked to uh, Tim Drevno and said, "Did you did you see John O'Corn? You know, before the game, and he, he was like, he was like, yeah, he kind of looked, and Pep Hamilton kind of cut him off and said, he looked scared, didn't he? <laughs> and no, and I, and I think I think that, and then that was the game that Peters took over through the touchdown to Chris Evans, yeah, you know, led yeah. the other touchdown drive, and 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 took Michigan to a to a win in that game. 
But I think that that explains the whole story last year. I think the word scared, worried, afraid. I think John O'Corn and and not not really Wilton Spate, but John O'Corn and Brandon Peters at the end. I think they were just afraid. I I agree. I don't think they were ready, and they were they were afraid because they they didn't perform like they were supposed to. They were afraid. And that's got to change. I think that's all that's got to change with the quarterback situation is you you have to have a quarterback that that is going to have guts, that's going to be tough, that's going to be be like we, we've seen Shea Patterson at Ole Miss, get into trouble in the backfield. What does he do? Runs around for, for, for five, ten extra seconds, makes a, makes a play instead of just throwing the ball up in the air and getting it, getting it picked off or just, just throwing the ball out of bounds. Throwing it out of bounds isn't isn't the worst thing, but Michigan needs a guy that's going to go out there and is going to run away from 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 all the defensive linemen, all the linebackers coming at him and make a play. And that's what they need. They're never they, they've never had that mm-hmm. under 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 Jim Harbaugh. Even even a guy like Jake Rudock never did that. Nope. That I mean, and Rudock was good. He fit the system. He gave you a lot of hope to like start. Anyway, but even that's also because. Him. But that's also. Because look at their wide receiver. No, they, they had NFL great talent. Caliber, that, that's why Wilton Spate was what Wilton Spate was. Not to say I still believe in my heart. Michigan has a better season last year if Wilton Spate plays all the way through. I don't. I don't care what people say about how he looks so bad to start the season. It would have. I think it definitely would have made a difference. But I think Michigan beats Michigan State. And I think they win that Wisconsin game too. No doubt if they have him in the lineup, just yeah. simply because he can throw a pass to a player. And I think that late in the season. He'd also be gelling with those receivers a lot better as well. Everyone was putting out Wilton like, you know, he was supposed to just be something amazing, and everybody around him got replaced. I mean, it was mm-hmm. all new, 100% new. But nevertheless, I, I think uh, this whole thing with Ole Miss and Shea Patterson's a little ridiculous. I think that um, he'll be playing. I think he'll be playing he'll be as playing. well. I think no matter what, he's going to be able to come in and play. And, you know, if you're a fan, you know, looking around it, it's like and it, even if you're a Michigan State, Ohio State fan, whatever you are, you got to kind of look at it and say, give this guy a chance to make it the best competition we can in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I think that it makes Michigan a better team and overall just make it a better season in the Big Ten. So why why limit a team off of something that this old school says about why he left? Obviously, they're pretty pretty upset that he left the program. Yeah, they're, they're, at, they're at the end of the day. They got nothing to back it up. But You know what? You know what, man? What's that? September 1st, 7.30 p.m. <laughs> See you in South Bend. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be I, – I cannot wait to watch Michigan-Notre Dame again. So excited for that to get back be going because that's going to be great. But Then a little match against Western the next week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's getting, funny. Getting ready for that. But Anyway, uh, hoops. NBA, M- M- we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm, I'm not cutting out hockey completely. I'll get to a little bit of that for you guys here to end the podcast. But let's be honest, we're in America, and the NBA is taking over everything that anybody watches when this time of the year comes around. Um and I think this year has been more intriguing for NBA fans than other years just because simply there's better teams. There's better super teams. There's teams with more players on that they maybe could compete and beat the Golden mm-hmm. State Warriors this year. Um, and they're not even the one seed. It's the Rockets uh, coming out of the Western Conference. They're the one seed this year. Um, they play the Timberwolves. I, I don't think they'll have much trouble with them. But you know what? I think the Warriors and Spurs, now as bad as the Spurs have been, they had to sneak in the playoffs uh-huh. this year. Yep. I think that the Warriors that and Greg Spurs Popovich. is going to be, I think, yeah, he's a great coach in the playoffs. 
I could see this being a the Spurs get ahead 2-0 in the series, and then Golden State comes back and and just murders them. Mm-hmm. But I still think that the Spurs are going to give them trouble. See, I, I agree with you, and, and you literally got to look right to the Eastern Conference for for the, the series that I'm I'm really watching. We we can touch on on Golden State, San Antonio, but um, as, as well, Boston, Milwaukee, the Bucks, the Greek Freak, two I, and seven. I'm taking the Bucks without Kyrie. No doubt mm-hmm. in my mind. I think when Kyrie went down, it was the funeral mm-hmm. for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I think they probably realized that their chances right there were they were mm-hmm. slim to none. And when he goes out for the whole season, mm-hmm. Greek freak, you said it all the way. Put in my boy DJ Wilson. He's gonna hit some hoops. <laughs> dude, <laughs> kidding about that? No, but. no, but dude, that, that that series is gonna be the Bucks are taking it. I, I I think so too. I think if I had to pick one the upset, Bucks are taking it. I think if I had to pick one legitimate upset, um, it'd be that one. But you want to know what would be my second one? Doesn't seem like it'd be a big upset, but obviously it'd be huge. Not based oh, you're on talking the Indiana over Cleveland? I am talking Indiana I knew over it. Cleveland. I am talking Indiana over Cleveland the Pacers first round. Pacers lead the series this season 3-1. I, to one. I know. They, they've had a good year against them, and when I look at that series back-to-back, it's just like a four-seed LeBron? I mean, okay, now it might be for his greatest act yet. I have no idea what he's going to do in the playoffs. When this time the year comes around, yeah, but it should, he, he could, I it could look so it stupid. It could have just as easily been, you know, three-seed, like, yeah, the 76ers, they they were like barely ahead. Yeah, of the I got guys. it ahead of them. But I mean, the thing is, is it's it's LeBron James. We're coming into the season. I mean, I would have put him to be my one seed mm-hmm. coming in. So the fact they're a four seed says a lot about where that team's at and what they've had to deal with all year. I don't know, man. I mean, it's a lot of pressure to put on LeBron's shoulders. I know he's the best player in the NBA, and he can probably handle it and get this team to the finals once again. I would still pick them to get to the finals right now. But all I'm saying is that that is a very tough first-round matchup, and I think they got other tough ones coming at them. I think the Raptors are a very good mm-hmm. team as well, and they're going to probably have to play them. I don't think the Wizards have a shot against the Raptors. So eventually when those two teams play, it's going to be another tough series for Cleveland to get through, and I think the Pacers are definitely going to get a couple of wins in this series and really push Cleveland. I, I don't I don't know about the Pacers. Like I, I like it. I get your point. I, I see exactly where you're coming from, but I don't know. Like I don't, I don't know if Darren Collins, Darren Collison, Victor Oladipo – <laughs> Bojan Bogdanovic, Thaddeus Young, man. and Miles Turner can can beat LeBron James and the Cavs. Like, I don't know I, if they I, can beat him either, but I know that they, I think they got a chance with a lineup like that. I don't think it's a bad lineup. And it's I think, not. I think they've been a pretty good team this year. We'll see, but it's that that's definitely one to watch. So, like, I think the three biggest ones to watch. You know, we we we've talked about as far as as far as Cleveland, Indiana, Boston, Milwaukee, and and Golden State, San Antonio. I think those. Those have got to be the ones to watch. I think when yeah. you look at Oklahoma City and Utah, like I think that that's a four or five matchup that that Oklahoma City has got in the bag. I feel like that's right. just a it's it's a Russ Westbrook kind of thing, no doubt to to win that game. But yeah, what about the what about the Pistons? <laughs> the Man, Pistons are in the playoffs. We're not going to talk about them. But another series that I kind of just uh, you know in the future I I could see happening here with the uh, the Rockets. You know if they could play the Thunder. I think that's a very, very interesting series as well. Um, and I think that Rockets the, Thunder, yeah. I, I think with the two teams and the, and the star power on both those teams, I mean, what do you what do you make of the Thunder? Are they a team that can actually push for something? Is Paul George not enough? Because he's kind of struggled towards the end of the season here. Hasn't been as good. I, I don't know if they're a team that can actually make a run at something with what they have on that roster or if it's just not – if Russell Westbrook it, just simply isn't enough. It, it comes down, you know, like like I said with the Tigers, we know we were talking about, you know what you're getting out of certain players. You know yeah. what you're getting from Russell Westbrook. But what are you going to get in, night in and night out, from Paul George and Carmelo Anthony? You Carmelo just, Anthony throws you off, too. With exactly. It. Sometimes you think he still exactly. thinks he's 20, you know, whatever years old. 
and he yeah. tries to bring out too much. It's just that team, the NBA is full of individuals as it is. I think that there's a lot of individuals in that team that kind of brings them That's the most individualized down. team in the NBA, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. I, oh, definitely. I mean, you know, people would try to say it's like the Warriors or something, just because like one player could go off for them. They, they play so as a good. team. They play as a team. They pass the ball so well. It's not like that with them. It's not even with James Harden and the Rockets. I still think that they move it better mm-hmm. um, and have an overall better team with Chris Paul too as well there. So I mean, Chris, Chris Paul in the playoffs on a team that's a one seed. I'm excited to see that. That guy deserved a break, man. With all yeah, the injuries he that he's had in the past yeah, and everything, I've always liked Chris Paul. I cannot wait to see him play for that team and be a one seed. And th- I mean, is there a team that legit? I mean, I think there are a lot of teams that have chances to beat the Warriors on this side of the bracket this year. I think there's a lot of teams that have yeah, the chance to beat. I think anybody can win. Yeah, this year. I mean, besides you know Washington, Minnesota, Miami. <laughs> this it can very Utah well has no chance either. But I think there's a there's more teams that have a chance to to make a run than 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 there has been in a long time. So so I, I have to ask you. Give give me your give me your heart. Like, what do you want? Like, not not your brain, not what you think, but what what would you like to see in the finals? Um, you know, obviously putting a little bit of of just knowing who's gonna be who's gonna be decent into it, but but also just kind of maybe throwing out like a, like a little bit of uh, two dark horses. It's a hard question for me to answer because as much as I hate the NBA's you know stardom power on two teams and how it's just been the Cavs and Warriors every year, that series is so much fun to watch. Now this year, I think it's different. I, I think that it's literally just LeBron James and that team. Makes it less exciting. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think there's any of that. Like I think having Kyrie on that team just made it more exciting for me when those two teams got together. Um, but really, over there, there's not like players that I want to see in the finals more than I would want to see Cleveland. I still would rather Disagree. see LeBron. I, I I still would rather see LeBron James go for a ring on that side. I don't see anything better. I would love to see the Rockets or Thunder knock out Golden State and play for mm-hmm. the finals. Just follow my heart. If I had to, if I had to see any other new team in the finals this year, I'd like to see the Thunder Rockets because I like both those teams a lot. For me, if I if I could pick and just put two there, whatever two I wanted, the Philadelphia 76ers. That's pretty. That's a pretty cool team. That to see. Is That'd a team be my I team. Would team I think I was gonna say that. Yeah, Joel Embiid, JJ Redick, Ben Simmons. Because the Raptors are just. Eh, I don't like the Raptors. Never really have. Um, so I, I so so I want the 76ers. Going up against the Golden State Warriors, not that I like Golden State that much, but I just think that would create for for a lot of controversy. You got this really young team against you know a lot Golden of these. A lot of these I think they would smoke them too. <laughs> I think about how far a storyline that would be. Seventy Sixers being able to make it, would, it after they've been so like so bad for so long. Oh yeah, it'd be, and then, it'd be and awesome. Then, to and then see they get an that opportunity far. to. That'd be like if Loyola Chicago went all the way to the NCAA championship. Yeah. I mean, that'd be like the same thing. You know they're going to get thumped by Villanova, but mm-hmm. you, you want to see it. And then to get an opportunity to play against a team like Golden State, and if, and if they even were to, to beat them in the finals, just how crazy that would be to go from nothing to something so fast, that'd be yeah. cool. But if I had to pick with my brain and what I actually think, it's sad, but if, if I'm taking my, my heart and my feelings <laughs> and my emotions and players that I like out of it, Cleveland Golden State. Yeah, I know. See you again. I mean, yeah, if, at the end of the day, if I had to Boring. pick. If I had to pick between the two, it, it's going to be Cleveland and the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I've said it all season. It's hard, it's so it's so hard to pick against playoff LeBron. I Like, as much as I really believe that could be an upset in the first round, he turns it on, plays at a different level, things change. But we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see what goes on with that. But let's finish up the show now with our uh, stud and duds of the week. Evan, what's your stud? 
Yeah, so my dud is Shohei Otani for the, the second time in three weeks. This guy has been, dude, he's been a dog. He's 2-0 with a 2.08 ERA. He got 18 Ks in 13 innings. He he he's been he's been on top of the world in the mound. And then batting, he's hitting 364 with three home runs and eight RBIs in in six games and 22 at bats. And I I give this guy credit because he he said he said the other day he said I want to play more like I want to be in the game every day. Yeah. You know, because normally he he'll he'll DH every once in a while, and then he'll he'll um he'll hit when he's pitching, and he'll DH just every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But he wants to be an everyday player, and then pitch on 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 one day, one out of every five days, and the rest he wants to be an everyday player, and that says something, man. Like th- this guy is, he is the best pitcher on the team and the best hitter on the team statistically right now. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Get him more playing time. I want to see more Otani. My stud, uh, I I gotta go with him, uh, Sidney Crosby. Last night the uh, NHL playoffs got started, um, and the Penguins won seven to zero over the Flyers. He's ridiculous, round, man. You're talking about a team that's looking to make this a three P, and what does he do? Three goals, three goals. He gets a hat trick last night mm-hmm. in the opening game of the playoffs. I think that's a pretty good statement to say that your team's gonna get back to the finals and be able to do this. Um, I really, it'd be hard for me to pick against the Penguins, and they're starting to become a Golden State in the NHL, man. They're, they're a team. I mean, they already kind of are. Mm-hmm. They're like the, the the horse that no one really can get over and beat when it comes to playoff time, and heck of a game from Sidney Crosby last night. Definitely gets my stud. So, Evan, you're done? Yeah, so for me, my dud is Lewis Brinston. He's a first-round draft pick in 2020, uh, 2012, 29th overall. Had a lot of had a lot of talent, um, you know, you know, coming out. Uh, of high school in Florida, and he seemed like a guy that that was gonna be something special in a couple years. Uh, drafted by the Rangers, and now he's with the the Miami Marlins, and he he's off to a rough start. Is their everyday everyday center fielder this year? He he has seven hits and fifty at bats for a one forty average, no home runs, one RBI. He's a uh, you know six three one ninety five. You expect him to steal a couple bags, but no, he uh, no he, he hasn't stolen a, a base all season. <laughs> And and yeah, he, he he's just had a rough go around this year, and that's kind of what you get when you get young players. Sometimes you just you just don't know what you're gonna get. Yep, starting them in center I field, it's a risk. It's a risk. <laughs> uh, my dud is gonna be uh, yours truly, the Detroit Red Wings. Um, for one, terrible team. For two, made no progress this year in any way that I saw um, on the ice. They didn't make any moves. No young guys really jumped out and impressed you. And I think for an organization that's been so successful. Um, in the past bunch of years, it's very hard to see that. I mean, you can say what you want about Anthony Mantha or whatever, and that he had a decent season. Just, I, I don't see, I didn't see enough to be able to impress me and say that this team is going to be back within two to three years. I think this is a longer process. I think it's going to be another Dead Wings era, and it's uh, going to be a lot of losing in hockey town coming up here in the next few years. But mm-hmm. that'll wrap it up for our podcast. Um, uh, keep listening, you guys. We've only got a couple weeks left. I know. I think I uh, might start tearing up here pretty soon at the end of oh, some of these. But <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna finish strong for you guys. Make sure we keep up more topics. Keep listening. Uh, be on Twitter at CM Life, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff. Until next time, for Evan, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening.